Yo, this is the Ancient Texan, the end of a week, uh, December 7th. Well, I've been looking at conspiracy theories and why they're so big and what's happening in this world. And I've noticed there's there's kind of a pattern and what, what got me thinking about it uh, this week is Djokovic number one tennis player went to Australia to play in the Australian Open his favorite to win the, you know the odds maker have him as the winner alright but you know you gotta play it who knows he applied for a medical exemption turns out he's an anti-vaxxer well, when he got down there, there was a lot of backlash because, you know, they're just going into another lockdown because of, uh, you know, the new Omicron, Omicron, or however you say it, Omicron virus. And people didn't like the idea of the number one player being an exception. Yes, this guy chained me at a lower ranked player what he thought of it, and he said, well, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't give me one. And, you know, the truth of that uh, struck chord with a lot of people. Well, it turned out that they revoked his visa after review at the airport. And, like, the guy that was call them states, although they're not states. Um, the state that he came, the airport was in said, you know, we don't make exceptions. His paperwork's not in order, and so he's being sent back. Djokovic has won 20 major titles along with Federer and Nadal. Um, he's, o- he's the only one of the three that's still at the top of their game. You know, our buddy that loves Federer like me is hoping that he has a, you know, he can get it together and have one great tournament again. But Federer's lost the last two years because of knee injury, and it didn't hurt him as much in the standings and stuff because of COVID and not as many tournaments. But, you know, Nadal's having injury problems. And it's like who's the greatest of all time depends in large part how many tournaments you win. They're all tied at 20 and you can say, well, this is just another tournament that will be future. But uh, Djokovic is up over 30. You're only one injury away from being uh, out of the game at tennis often. So, Djokovic, anti-vax, cost him potentially a million-dollar purse, endorsements, probably ten times that amount, a place in history as the greatest player possibly on the line, 
and he won't have a needle put into his arm and get a vaccination? Well, part of it is dad has said more than he has, and it's kind of like, you don't have the right to make me do this. I kind of get that. I've had that streak go through me a few times in my life where I did something against my own self-interest because someone else was telling me to do something. And I don't know ex- the background because with Djokovic because he's not explaining it much, but I went and looked at you know some other anti-vax um, and how they come about. And there seems to be kind of a pattern here. Someone makes a comment through social media, frequently it's Twitter, but Facebook too. And people make comments all the time. But what makes a conspiracy theory go is that often, and maybe always, there's a hero that comes along. There's a guy named Landon that used to be a VP advisor. He sent out a tweet that the vaccines uh, cause infertility in women without any data. And then he elaborated on that. Eventually, Twitter shut him down. But he became the hero to a bunch of people. So he made a claim. And and here's kind of how I think the pattern goes. A hero comes along, somebody that has some credibility. VP of Pfizer, talking about Pfizer vaccines. Um, He didn't work in making vaccines. He worked with another drug that eventually was spun off a separate company, they raised millions of dollars to research it, and then wrote off like $500 million that didn't work out uh, when he was let go. Well, the people that heard his tweets and talked with him and stuff said he sounded like an angry guy. He's an angry millionaire because he made a lot of money, even though the investors didn't. Uh, usual thing in America and he sends this tweet out he makes a claim people that listen to it start to have a doubt if you're a woman and wants to have kids and you see that you go wonder if there's any truth in it. And a bunch of other people hear it, and they start talking about it, reinforcing it, and their fears. And I think the first tweet, the first message from somebody that carries some weight, sets up doubt. Then they repeat their claim, and the doubt kind of turns to fear, or anger, depending on kind of the setup going on and then eventually the person responds to this emotional reaction they're having the subconscious brain is having an emotional reaction 
They start looking for justification, rationalization. Believe it. Now we can get on them about that, but it's not that hard to get someone doubting and fearing when they don't know about something. I looked up this ivermectin um, story, and I went in to prove you know, that it was completely bunk, and then I listened to a few videos from a doctor. Now, this doctor made a claim that ivermectin, he's used it with thousands of patients, and he's got a collection of dozens of doctors um, that have been collecting data on it, and he has a big report, big pile of data, he claims, on the effectiveness of ivermectin. So this guy appealed to me, I forgot his name, but I did it in a previous podcast, because what he was asking was for the FDA to review his data, and then at the same time, uh, Pfizer's coming out with a magic pill that costs you know, like a thousand bucks a pill to avoid, um, to help you with, you know, you take a pill after you become infected and you're supposed to help your survival. Well, he claims ivermectin for a dollar dose can do the same thing. He doesn't make any money from it. Pfizer mix is going to make uh, 20 billion bucks off of the other pill. So, he... I mean, that's strong argument to me. And he's saying the kind of thing to me as a, you know, scientist, engineer, like, here's the data. I want it to be reviewed by the FDA. I want it to be reviewed by my peers and let them make a decision based on this data. Well, that's saying all the right things for me. So I tend to believe them. Now, is it considered a conspiracy theory? Yes. So, I don't have any way to verify his claims, pro or con, but his message gets through to me, so I've just bought off on a conspiracy theory. A woman that's going to have, wants to have a baby, and somebody that used to be Vice President of Pfizer, who's now, you know, the center of millions of followers, saying that the vaccine caused problems with fertility. He's not claiming to have any data, although it's kind of implied that why would he say that? You know, if he's a scientist, he ought to know. He worked at Pfizer, he ought to know. I can see how that is really hard um, to sort out for a woman. And if you've got that doubt, you also know that as a young person, 30 years old, you're probably going to survive COVID. So I don't, it, it's not as easy to sort these things out. Now look at um, the big lie by Trump. tells a lie, kind of sets him down, he repeats the lie with utter confidence, 
People are already kind of polarized. He makes this claim about, you know, boxes of ballots being moved under the table when, you know, everybody was thrown out. Of course, it was still on video camera because that's what he's talking about. So it wasn't like, you know, you're thrown out of the room. The process was still being monitored via the video cameras. He talks about these boxes of ballots and he assumes that there were illegal ballots. Because he wants to believe, his emotion reaction to the election is, there's no way in hell I could have lost. I know I won. And we all have emotional reactions that are sometimes pretty strong. And almost all, we, we don't go against our emotional which comes from our subconscious mind very often. We find a way to rationalize what our emotional mind wants. We build, we may do a couple of phrases like he ought to know, or we make up a story to justify the emotional reaction. So with the internet and the power to distribute information. It seems like for a conspiracy theory, all you really need is a hero. Hero slash advocate of something. To put it out there in a way that makes people have an emotional reaction that moves them away from what we're gonna call the truth and toward the, the lie of the conspiracy theory. It doesn't even have to move them doesn't have to like knock you over there instantaneously it just has to do a seed of doubt and then that little doubt has a chance to grow and to fester and become stronger and the claim is repeated and more people get on board millions of people start believing it repeating it your group Facebook sends you thousands of people that agree with it and talk to you and convince you and you all believe it and people make up a little bit as they go to, you know, yeah, they had a pile of data I heard. Really? Yeah, he studied it. You know, 10,000 women. Huh. So to me, it's not this conspiracy theory that get planted in people's head and create doubt and division. Um, Wow. It is not easy to control. And I'm not quite sure that the whole system doesn't unravel. China, just an example here, China spends more people and more money on controlling their internet than they do in building a war machine. The tennis player, uh, Xi Jinping, Ping? anyway, the lady that accused a, a Chinese official of sexual harassment, sexual aggression of some sort. 
and then kind of got moved out of the public eye and kind of disappeared. All our posts removed, sterilized. So China spends an enormous amount of effort controlling the internet. Now they have a big stick. You violate it, you know, what the party tells you to do. And they're not. And there's always some conflict with the party. Like there's a current theory hypothesis in China that they they're producing two sets of currency that are identical. That's a whole other conspiracy theory. But it is interesting as hell. People like me just kind of soak it up. Now, can I get talked into that conspiracy theory? I kind of want to believe that something bad's going on in China. So I'm kind of primed for that conspiracy theory. Do I have the answer? No, I don't have a clue how to do that. I'm right now working on research on making magnesium, and I see it in my own group. People come up with. They're pretty. I work with a really. Really good group of people, but we have an immediate team that you know are scientists and engineers, and we have an outside engineering firm, and uh, everybody has opinions. But we go gather data, and you know, it, we we try to keep it all based on the best data and literature we can find in designing this plant. But there's always things on the edges, like what should we do next, and where do we, you know, where do we focus our efforts? Which, which are the problem areas? Um, I don't necessarily agree always with the team, or obviously they with me. And then, you, but then you get away from that immediate circle where there's you know reasonable dialogue and evidence is based, and you get into the ring of upper management, and then you get from there the ring of investors, you know, close investors that put a lot of money into it, kind of the owners, and you get out a bigger ring to the you know, investors at large on the stock market. Well, different stories and expectations and. By the time you get to those outer circles, uh, what people believe is a great mystery to me. I mean, how? First, I don't generally know what what the hell they believe or think or why they're investing. But every once in a while, I hear why, and I go, hmm. They kind of believe in the concept. They have no access to the actual data or engineering. It's all confidential. This is going on in all companies. That big you know, lady that just you know, had this magic machine that diagnosed all illnesses. She convinced people. It's another place where conspiracy theories—they don't call them that. People invest on what is a hypothesis. 
and a story about where a company is going. It's pretty much the same phenomenon as we do with anti-vaxxers. And it's like this human condition to go on emotions and then justify it on steroids called the internet. And it really, an ability to group with people that think like you, instead of having the diversity of opinion that you, we used to have as humans. When you walk down the street, it's hard to find, you know, an investor in the company I work for. And if I talk to someone about it, they have one opinion. And, and so, you know, if I walk around here, my neighbors, I, I don't get this collection of opinions that sign up anti-vax or vax or, you know, I go to UUFN, which is a, a Unitarian thing, and there I do walk into a, a group of people that think pretty much like me, and we swim around in our own soup that we make. Now, that requires, you know, I physically get in the car and go there every Sunday and maybe hang out with some of them sometimes and go, you know, have a meal with them or something. That takes a lot of effort and it's not very efficient. Internet, I can get in contact with millions of people that believe like I do. Can't talk to all of them, but I can get the general flood of support that I need for almost anything. I think a lot of that's going on in global warming. Oh, that's a whole other subject. So this conspiracy theory, um, kind of getting a model of how this works, I think is important. And exactly how we address it, I'm not smart enough to figure out yet. But I think it's huge. And I think it's like so huge it could change the history of the planet. Like huge. Change the history of democracy. Trump's big lie. He understands how this system works better than I do. I'm a smart guy. Because he's had a lot of practice, I think. But it, whatever. He knows how to make it work. Anyway, this is the ancient Texan talking to you about the power of conspiracy theories and the need for a hero in a conspiracy theory. This is the ancient Texan. Have a good day. Namaste. Yo, this is the Ancient Texan signing off. An earthling that believes we are all part of a world wide web. We are all part of us. There are no thems. Namaste.